Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name is Doug Jones, and I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm joined by my good friend, Jason Wheland. Hello. And Brandon Bathour, hey. who's you're back for a reprise of last week. You guys brought me second back. Episode. Yes, brought yes. Me back. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, Doable Discipleship is a show that's published on YouTube and is a podcast. We call it the show that helps you grow. Yeah. And uh, it's just a little spot where you can come to deepen your faith in Jesus through informative conversations and spiritual disciplines that you can do. Last week, we had Brandon on for his first appearance, and we talked about who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking about blowing up the Sunday school picture of Jesus, this one-dimensional vision of him that sort of pictures him as just sort of floating around gently, never causing any trouble, never upsetting anyone. Giving ice cream to people. Yeah, just like... Patting little boys on the yeah. head. The stuff and, Care Bears are made of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and of course, Jesus was kind and loving, but he was uh, a lot more complex than what we sometimes uh, give him credit for. So last week, we spent some time talking about who Jesus was, because how can we really and truly follow somebody who we do not understand? Mm, yeah. that, that's a major problem. So this is a discipleship show. Discipleship is following Jesus. You can't follow someone you do not know. Great way to put it, Doug. Yeah. Thanks. This is a discipleship show. For crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, what are we talking about today? So uh, here's the thing. If, if, if you want to know someone, right, if this is this guy that we're following, you, you know what they actually talk about. You, you, you listen to the things that they, they care about. Like if mm-hmm. you're going to elect an official, uh, you hear their platform, hopefully, and you listen to, okay, what are, what are their stances on things and what do they believe and... And a lot of times, we don't quite get to the step for that with Jesus. Hmm. And so uh, what we're going to talk about today is, um, is really the center of his message. Uh, we'll, we'll hear in a second, but over and over again, Jesus talks about this one thing, and it really makes up the center of most of his teachings and hmm. even his actions. So here's what we want to do is take a moment right now, uh, all the listeners and, and viewers, uh, think about this. What is the focus of Jesus' teachings? If you could sum it up in just a few words, what would you say if you said this is really the focus of what Jesus was all about? Go on, just think about that for a second. Now, uh, for a lot of people, they may say salvation. That's what Jesus talked about all the time is salvation. Now, I, I went through and I did some research because I had some time on my hands because I'm new to this team. So you guys have <laughs> loaded that's you that's up. That's what yet. you've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that and drinking coffee. So... Uh, seven times. Jesus mentions salvation seven times through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, hmm. all right? Uh, it's not so much. Eternal life, he talks about 20 times total through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Love, right? Love, very important to Jesus' message. He talks about love 54 times through the Gospels. Okay. Quite a bit more. Quite a bit more. The one thing he talks the most about is kingdom of God. In fact, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, we'll explain that in a little bit. Yeah. It's talked about 119 times, so twice the amount of love. This is really a central piece uh, of, of what Jesus was, was talking about, what he, what he preached about. In fact, we, we read this last week, but again, to make a very concise statement about what Jesus was about, here's what he said. He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, because that is why I was sent. Mm. So there it is right there. Yeah. So let's spend some time today talking about what is the kingdom of God. Let's wrestle with that. Yeah, I think uh, that really begs the question, 
what is the kingdom? And I think we have a lot of misconceptions about that, yeah. same as we do about Jesus, which we'll, we'll uncover a little bit. But first, let's see what Jesus himself said about the kingdom. First, we'll look at Matthew 24, verse 14. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus is saying this is the definitive thing that has to happen before the end game begins, mm-hmm. before we move into the final stage. So this is a, the critical thing that must be done. So it's a huge part of his mission. Mark 1.14 says, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Do you notice how good news and kingdom of God are so tied up in there? So right there, mm-hmm. like, again, yeah. Pr- so the narrator says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Mm-hmm. What was the good news? The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. So yeah. kingdom of God and good news are like tied yeah. very deeply together. Yeah, linked for sure. Got a couple other verses for you. Luke 10, 9 says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then Luke 17, 20 to 21 says, One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, because the kingdom of God is already among you. Among you. Yes. Isn't that already so Already. That transition, that, that translation was fun. Which translation is that? Do you know? Off that, the top of your head? I think it's uh, NLT. <laughs> it's over here there. Here it is, or it's over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Off yonder. <laughs> Under this cushion? No, no, no. not <laughs> nor under that. the bushel. Um, so, so that's really interesting stuff, right? Uh, I remember that that passage of like it's among you that really started blowing up my understanding because, like I said um, uh, last week, it was really even though I grew up in church, it was really when I was about nineteen that I actually opened the Bible and started reading about Jesus, and mm. that passage really changed my thinking. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Growing up, whenever I thought of kingdom of God, I just thought about heaven, like that yeah. place you go after you die if you believe in Jesus. Yeah, um, you almost picture like castle of God, right? and you right. think of like this magical cloud city like sort of thing. Like a Disney thing almost. Yeah, yeah or like, right, like a Disney Mario depiction. with like the little you know flag right there. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking I about? It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. I could <laughs> never reach the top of the flagpole. <laughs> you never can. No, never can. Um, so uh, part of it is uh, in the book of Matthew, this is a little detail, um, it's not talked about as kingdom of God, it's talked about as kingdom of heaven. So that's yeah. part of where the confusion comes. Uh, it's because Matthew was a Jewish writer writing to a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. And in the Jewish culture, you don't write out the name of God because that was a disrespectful thing. Yeah. So trying to uh, speak into his context a little bit better, he called it kingdom of heaven. But... Um, st- See, when Christianity is all about getting to heaven, when that's the point of Christianity, then it makes sense. Then you go, okay, that's, that's what the kingdom of God is. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was kind of brought up thinking. By no fault of the, you know, the Sunday schools I was a part of or anything, it was just kind of the lenses that I was taught. Yeah. Um, but clearly, from these verses, Jesus is not talking about this, just the place you go after you die. Maybe that's part of it, but for him to say, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Like, what is he talking about there? Or or it's among you. Like, what? That's very, very different. Yeah. 
Now, if, if we were to answer the question of what is the kingdom of God, I think Jesus had a little bit of a fun time here because he never like analytically described it. He didn't just get out a chalkboard and yeah. explain. <laughs> Do you think I had chalkboards back then? I don't know. That's a good question. I I wonder. Uh, I'm guessing maybe. We know he uh, wrote in the wrote dirt, in dirt. Yeah. so probably that. Probably that. I feel like when I look at it, like those black chalkboards, it like makes me feel ancient. Anyway, <laughs> um, so he never exactly describes it, um, but he tells a lot of stories about it. Yeah. But as we kind of look at at all of Scripture, here's the best description I can come up with: is that the kingdom of God is wherever God's reign is fully present. Hmm. Or maybe a different way to say is the kingdom of God is where God is king. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, where his rule is fully realized. Fully yeah. realized, yeah. Yeah, and, and the Old Testament actually gives us two kind of dimensions to the reign or the kingdom of God. Uh, on the one hand, it, it makes it very clear that God is in the sort of supreme and sovereign sense, God is in charge. He is the master over his entire creation. Everything that he has made is under his control, ultimately. Uh, and we see that in verses like Psalm 103, verse 19. It says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Um, I, what comes to mind, we talked, I think in our episode with Jay Cranda, um, we talked about the book of Daniel and yes. how um, King Nebuchadnezzar, after his period of losing his mind at the hand of God, comes back and he declares something similar about God, saying, no one can stop this God. No one can can say to him, what are you doing? So in this in this very ultimate sense, God is supreme over everything that he's made, and we know that he has complete control. But then it also uh, gives us a view, and when I say it, I'm talking about the Old Testament, also it gives us uh, a picture of the future where sin and evil and death is fully, finally, and completely dealt with or banished or destroyed once and for all, where God's reign will be, as we've just said, fully realized or fully manifested on earth. And we have these future tense verses. One of them, uh, which we'll read now, is Zechariah 14, verse 9. It says, And the Lord will become king over all the earth, which is an interesting point. So we, we do, on the one hand, recognize God is ultimately the king over all, but then there's also this future tense. He will become king over all the earth, uh, on that day, there will be uh, one Lord, his name alone will be worshipped. And I think that that closing phrase there is actually an operative part. His name alone will be worshipped. This implies that volitional or like free-willed creatures are honoring his authority and honoring his kingship in that time. Yeah. Now, like, I think we see this in reality, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you think of the doctrine of this and you just kind of get like a broad view of it, uh we know, like, okay, God created this whole world and this entire, you know, multiverse or whatever, and uh, created heavens and earth, as scripture would say. Um, and so he's in charge, but then you're like, yeah, but there's a lot of, like, broken things in this world, right? There's a lot yeah. of junk, and I think a lot of people that have questions about Christianity is kind of based around that, of like, why is there evil still in the world? Why, right. why do these bad things happen? Sure. Yeah. And so I think this tension kind of speaks into that reality a little bit. It does. Yeah, and and we can see that God, in His sovereignty, has chosen to give us a degree of influence over right. this creation that He's made, mm-hmm. and so we have to be careful when we l- decide who we're going to ascribe the blame to. We sometimes can point the finger at God and say, "God, you're powerful enough. God, you're in total control. How can you allow these mm-hmm. things?" But then we have to pan back and say, "Well, it's a bit childish for us to say that, mm-hmm. because in the end, all the brokenness that we experience came from decisions that we have made, right. and that God, in His sovereignty, has given us a degree of sovereignty to use." Uh, as we see fit, and we've done some pretty messed up things with yeah, it. So we blew it. it's important that we 
ascribe the blame properly because it's sometimes we want to point the finger at God and say like, God, you obviously screwed up or things wouldn't be this way, but we need to kind of turn that around and Three remember how it happened. back at you, right? Classic. Yes. Classic. Yes. It was humans that invented the Furby. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. Need we say more? <laughs> anyway, so what does God's reign fully look like? Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. First off, why is Jesus so focused on this? Well, I think Jesus keeps talking about the kingdom of God. What we talked about last week again when he kind of proclaims this good news that like, hey, the blind will see and the the oppressed will be liberated and this is the year the Lord is going to act. Yeah. You know, um, Jesus was saying, hey, this kingdom of God where God's reign will fully be, hmm. uh, be present is w- with me. Like, hey, I'm the king. I'm the one that's starting this revolution. Yeah. Which is really amazing. So this is why he keeps talking about it. He keeps saying, guys, I'm starting something that will revolutionize the heavens and the earth. Uh, and uh, it's starting this, this era where all things are gonna be made right. Yeah. And so this is why it's really the center of his message. That's why it is the good news. Yeah. And yes, your eternity and my eternity are involved in that, mm-hmm. but there's so much more in that story. Yeah. So if you can track with us here, this is a, a bit of a challenge, but Jesus' good news of the kingdom is that his coming really initiates an era of God's reign on earth, even though it's not like fully realized until the end. So I've got a few different ways of thinking about it. The first one is for all you World War II fans out there, uh, would be kind of like the the Normandy invasion, like D-Day, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like Jesus is kind of that beachhead there in Nazi-ruled uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like this little start, this tiny little space that really starts to grow more and more. And in fact, one of Jesus' parables, the parable of the mustard seed, kind of mm. spoke about this. This tiny little uh, place where your foot is on solid ground, and then from there, all of this grows. So I think yeah. that's one kind of image. Mm-hmm. Uh, another image, uh, for those of you who are a bit more analytical, uh, would be this uh, this kind of uh, diagram, where if you could imagine, if you have a line that is the present age, the age of just brokenness and God's in charge, but we keep screwing it up and he's given us uh, free will and influence over this creation. So that's just this broken world. And then you have a line above that, where is like the age to come, when all things are made right, where God's reign is fully present. Yeah. When Jesus came, it started kind of like an overlap of those two lines. Hmm. and um, that overlap will continue until Jesus returns again. So the age that we live in is kind of a already but not yet, is mm-hmm. what some theologians call it, where we, um, where we can sense God's reign, but we can sense the brokenness here, but God started something that he's going to complete, yeah. right? It is here and it is coming. Yeah, yeah. that's clear yeah. as mud, yeah. isn't it? That's real nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is why it's not talked about so much. Uh, but being central to Jesus, like, we got to talk about it. So for, uh, for the artsy people like me, um, I like to just picture this image. If you, uh, It was just rainy um, a couple days ago. And if you could imagine uh, dark clouds with, like, these little spots where the sun's rays are kind of like shooting through like a spotlight. Hmm. And you know, when you're driving, you can just see these like little uh, shoots, these little rays of light that are kind of shooting hmm. through into this world. I think that's a great picture of this world that we're a part of right now. Yeah. Where you're like a little glimpse of the kingdom, a little glimpse of light through some of the darkness. So that's kind of the world yeah. I think we're in. 
Nothing evokes heavenliness more than seeing a beam of sunlight yes, coming through right. a rain cloud. That's right. <laughs> it's just, man, it's a powerful, it it's a powerful, beautiful. powerful image. Uh, yeah. So as we talked about these images, we've talked a bit about what is the kingdom of God. Let's look at what, uh, what did Jesus say about the kingdom of God, right? The answer is he said a lot, too much for this show. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, as Brandon said, like, what was it? A uh, hundred and something references, 119 references. Of a, yeah. We are not going to systematically go through all of them. Yeah, yeah. But a good place where you can see a lot of what Jesus talked about uh, in reference to the kingdom of God is in his parables. Yeah. Um, I got a list of some of them right here. Parable of the mustard seed, which Brandon just mentioned. We got the yeast and bread, the lamp on a stand, the four soils, the great banquet, the lost sheep, the lost coin, well, the lost son, otherwise known as the prodigal son. Um, so a bunch of these I, um, hopefully will be made uh, available in links in the show notes. So yeah. if you want, you can go back and click on that, and it'll take you to uh, that parable, and you can check them out on your own. And just read through them and look at what is Jesus saying about the kingdom of God yeah. in these parables? Because yeah. uh, there's a lot. Because each yeah. of them conveys something different. Mm -hmm. Each yeah. of them gives us a different, a different vantage different point on the kingdom. Yeah. And it's funny that, that, I mean, Jesus so often says, it's like, mm -hmm. it's kingdom like. God is like. It's yeah. like, yeah. And there's this, I mean, I think this is kind of one of those moments where we have to recognize the transcendence of what Jesus is trying to describe. And there's a certain point where human language sort of starts falling down on itself. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not quite sufficient to convey all heavenly truth, right? So trying to use something finite to describe something that is, that is by its own nature transcends our reality. <laughs> and so it's a big, that's a big task. And Jesus though, very skillfully uses these pictures to evoke a certain core truth about the kingdom in ways that just regular old people can understand. Totally. One of my favorite things about Jesus is that he, he, he took really lofty heavenly ideas and he pulled them down within reach of regular people. Yeah. Uh, now, there were also other times where Jesus deliberately confused people because right. he's, trying to, he's, he's trying to accomplish a different goal of uh, drawing people out. Yeah. Well, I think one of the cool things uh, is that Jesus actually represents the kingdom in even how he talks about it. So like uh, he had mentioned that the parables are meant to confuse the wise, right? Mm. To confound the wise. And I think it's so interesting because as we'll see, the kingdom really like flips everything on its head. Yeah. So usually you have the smart, wise intellectuals that are on top and then the dumb, you know, or simple thinking, blue collar people at the bottom or whatever. Well, it's in how he talks about cliche. children too. Yeah. Right, it's, exactly. Yeah. And so when, what he does with parables is he tells a story in a way that like, the farmers, the blue collars, the the real people that are building society, they get it. Yeah. And it's all the intellectual, pompous, prideful people that are like, dude, I don't get what you're talking about here. Yeah. So like even in his teaching method, he's representing the kingdom. He's yeah. he's building the kingdom. So he conveys that the kingdom that. is for everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that some people just overthought it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you're trying to go in a direction that it just isn't meant to go. Yeah. It's just meant to be something simpler than that. Well, let's look uh, at some more of Jesus' description of the kingdom. Um, so we're going to read a passage here, a uh, pretty good chunk of it. It's coming from Luke chapter 6, uh, and we're going we're gonna to skip a couple pieces just for time, but we're going to give you the, the majority of it. It's Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 49, and I'll begin reading it, and we might periodically stop and comment a little bit, but here's what it says. Uh, we'll put this on screen for you, because we love you if you're watching on YouTube. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. 
Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because, the son of, because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. You want to comment on that a little bit? That's, a, that's kind of a, a, a bit of a jabby phrase there by Jesus at the end. This is how they treated the prophets. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're, you're joining kind of a fraternity mm. of, of sometimes hated people mm. who spoke the truth but didn't always, uh, yeah. always w- weren't always treated nicely because of it. Yeah, the prophets were the rabble-rousers, right, in yeah. so many ways. They, they spoke of the world... Uh, the way God would want it to be. And they often got hated as a result. So Jesus is, yeah, kind of saying this is a fraternity of prophets, of people seeking after a world the way God wanted it originally to be. Yeah, It's not, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Anna's looking like at the news that that they were bringing, right? For the current world at the time, it was considered bad news almost because it was, hey, you got to change your ways. You know, it's good news for the, you know, in terms of the kingdom. It's good news in terms of, of of God, but it's bad news in terms of how people were living their life. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And that shows up coming up in the next little yes. section. Yeah, and then he gets he he's past the blessed, but he gets into the woes now. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. There's an interesting duality that he's, he's done here. He's talking about the, the poor treatment of righteous prophets and the, the exalted uh, treatment of false prophets in the past, which you know, if you've spent any time in the Old Testament, you know that this was a recurring pattern mm-hmm. for both the Northern and Southern Kingdom and uh, all of them together, but there was this pattern of rejecting the truth that came and glomming on to the lies that were spread, and they use like the terms like tickling the ears and kind of things, like just telling people what they want to hear and that right. kind of stuff. And sometimes it's very hard to be the voice of reason in a time of prosperity when people people think, hey, everything's great, we're experiencing all these blessings, whatever, the rich, the, the well-fed, all this kind of stuff, but there's destruction coming because ultimately it's all empty, Mm. right? Mm. Anyway, he goes on, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. So, this is a big flipping. We talk about how Jesus flipped the script. He liked to change things, turn things upside down. This is completely counterintuitive. And even though we've known these truths you know, Jesus spoke these truths, you know, a couple thousand years ago, we still struggle with these. And as Christians, we know that this is the kind of, the way we should be approaching life, you know, loving your enemies, do this kind of stuff. But it goes against the fallenness of our own nature. Like, it clashes with our instinct on so many levels. Isn't that just an amazing thing? Like, you'd think for 2,000 years of people following Jesus, and, you know, billion plus people following Jesus, mm-hmm. that we haven't gotten to the point where this is a default, that Jesus' words yeah. are still just yeah. as cutting and revolutionary and challenging. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That, like, uh, and that, again, speaks to this false prophets. We we love tending towards and leaning towards those who tell us what is comfortable and what is nice and what kind of confirms us in, in our 
in our natural orientations. Yeah, and our ourselves. personal biases. And, yeah. Right. And, uh, and I think this is why Jesus is so refreshing, because he's continually that, that voice of challenge, mm-hmm. um, generation after generation after generation, challenging us against this, uh, this tendency towards the self. You yeah. know? And, and I, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. He goes on and says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, this is interesting because, again, like we said a second ago, this kind of is counterintuitive because we don't think in ter- we don't think that the way to get is by giving. We think that the way to get is by grabbing. That sounds <laughs> the opposite. You get yeah. by getting. Yeah, um, this condemnation idea. It, there's this. There's a counterintuition that you were just speaking to, and it, it to me, it's proof that people really aren't changing. Mm. You know, we say the world is changing or this or that, or the world's getting worse. Like, well, no, actually, ever since Adam and Eve fell, the world's been pretty bad. (laughs) You know, like, it's not like there's this, I think there's a myth that that people have really changed in all this time, but I think at rock bottom, we're still uh, in and of ourselves without the intervention of Christ and the Holy Spirit. um, We're just the same self-focused people that, human beings have always been, mm-hmm. right? Left to our own, absolutely. Yeah, left to our own devices. This is what we become. And yeah. Jesus is that voice that keeps calling us to something better, to right. something higher. Yeah, and building on this this uh, this revolution of a, a different way of doing humanity. Yeah. And so I think, you know, uh, on a Sunday morning or Saturday night at services, and I look around and see um, so many different people uh, coming together that nowhere else in this world, left to our own devices, would find commonality or yeah. community. Yeah. And to think this is happening all around the world. Mm. Like, what an amazing, hopeful picture yeah. uh, to contrast with the picture of we are all kind of just pressed into ourselves. Right. Like, no, they're like these glimpses mm. of what things ought to be. And uh, that's a beautiful thing to, to reflect on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take us on. Yeah, so what do we learn about the kingdom? Um, what, what really do we take from this, uh, this section, uh, sometimes called the Beatitudes? Um, both the good parts, the like blessed, and then the, the tough parts, the woes. Yeah. Um, the woes. <laughs> Whoa, bro. Uh, so first off, <laughs> I had to fit it in there. He's thinking of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Where am I? His <laughs> <laughs> infamous Matrix line. <laughs> so good. Uh so first off, what do we learn about the kingdom uh, is that citizenship is actually wide open. Citizenship yeah. in the kingdom is wide open to the open-handed, the, the hungry, the marginalized. Yeah. Jesus keeps saying, blessed, blessed, blessed. He's saying, for those who are hungry, for those that have need, for those that are on the margins of society and forgotten, you got a place. Yeah. This is, citizenship is open for you. Yeah. Yeah, but then he moves on to the woes, <laughs> yeah. um, and this time said it as Joey Lawrence, the whoa, the woes, <laughs> oh, uh, that <laughs> citizenship uh, will be difficult for the prideful and for the full and f- for this societally well accepted, right? It's the woe to you who are rich, who will already receive comfort, the woe to you who are well-fed now. So you get those, it's it's harder because it's counter to what you may already know. It's mm, counter yeah. to what you have taken your comfort in. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. What Jesus says, saying, that's not true comfort. You may think it is, but uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to clarify, I don't think 
having a big bank account means like, sorry, you're not in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what Jesus is saying here is saying, man, this is a, it's a challenge that the more comfort you receive in this world by uh, what are really the cultural norms of, of this world. Yeah. Uh, the harder it is to actually like, understand Jesus. And actually, you have more and more to lose when God reverses the whole thing. Um, as God reverses the whole thing, you have a lot more to lose, so it's going to be harder. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's this whole idea of, of, of what you are putting your time, your energy, and your comfort, and your source of happiness in. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's in those things, then woe to you, because yeah. that's not of the kingdom mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah there's n- nothing in the scripture condemns wealth. No. But what Jesus condemns or warns against is the the attitudes that you are in danger of assuming when you have wealth. Yeah. Yeah. There's something, I don't know if it's in the Psalms. I don't think it's in Proverbs. I, th- I think it's in the Psalms. Or I think it's David who said um, that he prayed to the Lord and said, give me neither too much nor too little. And it was this picture of he was he was asking for an equilibrium place because he said if you give me too little then i might steal if i go hungry i might steal and thus dishonor the lord but if i have too much i might forget the lord my god Mm. so there's this this is i think the picture that jesus is painting here is that there is a there's a danger that comes and we depending on what side of life we're on we can we can find ourselves exposed to some particular dangers that are typical of someone in our situation, and that we have to we have to be wary of those. We have to keep our eyes peeled. Yeah, and it, it, like many 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 weeks of episodes ago, one of our first episodes, we talked about what it means to love God with all your heart. Yeah, and we talked about this idea of lordship. We talked about the idea of priorities and what yeah. you know in what your heart is focused on. And this is getting into what Absolutely. Jesus is talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah citizenship also means behaving like the king. So the king of the kingdom sets the standard, and everyone else, uh, you know, works to that bar. Uh, so that means that we, just like God does, we show grace to those when they mess up. We show generosity to people who are in need. We show unconditional love to people who are maybe down and out or who are on the outs of society. So we emulate the behavior of the king. He sets the bar. We become like him. Yeah. He's the tone setter for the kingdom. Right. And, and we see that in like his descriptions after the Beatitudes when he's yeah. saying, you know, uh, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Um, when, he, when he says, you know, if somebody slaps you on the face, turn them the other cheek. Mm. We slap God in the face all the time. And he as king yeah. turns the other cheek, mm. right? Not only that, died <laughs> yeah. for us. Yeah. Um, and so, so really, all of that, when you, when you read through these descriptions of the kingdom, and I urge you to, to do that, um, just think, oh, this is a picture. This is a reflection of God's character. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's good. Now, uh, finally, and we can see this from the Beatitudes here, is that in God's kingdom, wrongs are made right. Blindle- blindness is turned to sight, injustice is done away with, and death is brought to life. This whole bit of like... I'm going to challenge those that have it all, and I'm going to be there for those that don't, hmm. um, is, is this picture of, of, again, equality, right? That every valley is raised up, every mountain is brought low. Um, I'm not just talking about communism here, just to clarify, or something, um, uh, <laughs> in case you. you were wondering that. <laughs> I'm not wearing red today. Um, but, but what is being talked about there is, again, this great sense of justice, that the kingdom... Um, is something that brings justice and and beauty and rightness to the world that 
when the kingdom fully comes, all things will be made right. Yeah. And I think that's the, the thing we look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So <clears throat> what changes for me when I understand God's kingdom? First, I understand that my life change is part of the bigger story. So my transformation is part of the ultimate transformation that's being accomplished by Christ. And and there's this um, this idea of the body being comprised of all its members or the family being comprised of all its members, the different pictures that are given of what the church is in Scripture, and that each of our transformation is part of the the making of all things new, because part of all things being made new again is me being made new again. In order to in order to inhabit that kingdom, in order to live in that space with God, then I too must be transformed along with it. So we can not, we think often very individually as we think of the Christian walk, like it's, especially because we come from like a Western, you know, American culture, we don't think very communally, we think very individually. So we can often think of it's me and God, you know, not to ever quote a country song, but... Um, you are forgiven. But there is a um, there is not just me and God, but there is also me and this grand picture that God is painting, this enormous work that God is accomplishing, mm-hmm. which I'm a part of. And I think we we um, we are in danger, just as we said, depending on where you are, you're in danger of certain mentalities. We're in danger of thinking too individually and not seeing ourselves as an integral part in what God is doing, but rather just as this... Um, almost, in a sense, almost lonely relationship between us and God. No, there's more to it than that. There's something yeah. bigger going on, and we're a part of something that is bigger and greater than just ourselves and the sum of its parts. And there's that, there's that passage um, that says, like, for if anyone is in Christ, uh, they are a new creation. But the actual translation, if you dig deep into it, it's, for if anyone is in Christ, behold, new creation. Hmm. Uh, there is new creation. And so what's being said there is not like, not only that you are a new creation when you're in Christ, but you're a part of this new creation, right? You're a yeah. you're a glimpse of the new thing that God is doing in the world. So, yeah. and that new things are created through you. Yeah, you exactly. become an instrument of that creative power. Yeah, I mean, we can think of the fall as, in in a sense, as uncreation, mm-hmm. as a uh, as a diminishing of what God made. And through Christ, there's a rebuilding. Uh, yeah, it's a rebuild. It's the rebuilding of a lost kingdom. Exactly. So there's almost like uh, creation being done all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, through Christ and his people. It's beautiful. It is. Rebuilding of the lost kingdom. I feel like that's the next Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's, it's better beautiful. than the last. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> don't screw no this one up. Skulls, please. <laughs> um, I, Too much CG, man. Too much. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Swing in on Vine. Okay. Um, going off of what Doug was saying right there, is it's really, it's, it, it's shifting your focus and it's asking yourself this question, what king are you serving, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, even though you may live in this world, well, you do, it's not a may, even though you live <laughs> in this world, you are a citizen of this revolution. You are, you are a follower of Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus, as we talked about in the last episode. So this should change the way that you see the world and see the people around you, right? Yeah. If you're looking at it with a kingdom mindset, it changes the way that yeah. you see things. It changes the way that you approach things. It changes your worldview, going back to our worldview episodes. So, and it all frames around this question of what king are you serving? Who is your king? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, and as Doug was talking about, is it plays such a larger part of this story because when you approach it with that mindset, with a kingdom mindset, is you're really... Um, on fire and shaping things a, a new way, yeah, like a new creation. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. I just got fired up. Um, <laughs> the point is that 
um, to kind of conclude this, that if we have this kingdom mindset that our Christian lives then are so much more than, you know, avoiding bad stuff and I guess being nice to people and then waiting around till you die, right? Which mm-hmm. is sometimes what it is when we miss out on the kingdom. Yeah. Instead, we are, when we say yes to Jesus, we're taking part in his grand mission. Yeah. Right? So again, this this gives us a reason for, you know, why we aren't just like zapped off of the earth the second we, uh, we proclaim Jesus and say yes to him and he saves us. Like, he doesn't just save us from something. He saves us to and for something. Yeah. For being a part of this this kingdom building, kingdom proclaiming work. Yeah. That's why, you know, he tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it mm. is in heaven. That's our that's our mission statement, yeah. right? In so many ways. Yeah. All right, it's time to talk doables. Uh, first off, as I said last week for the first few chapters of Luke, uh, go and read Luke chapter 5 through 8. As I said, we're going through everything that we're saying is drawn straight out of these passages in Luke, so you can have a broader, more robust understanding of everything we're talking about if you go and actually read those passages for yourself. So take a minute, maybe do it in your quiet time, because I'm sure you've all got one. Uh, read through maybe just one of those chapters per day for a few days, five, six, seven, eight. You got four chapters to read, and that'll keep you busy for a few days before you listen to the show again next Tuesday, right, you know, promptly on Tuesday, of course. <laughs> uh, what else do we got? So so as you're reading that, and as you think through uh, how Jesus describes the kingdom, uh, I think it'd be awesome if you just look around all week, try to see if you can see any glimpses of the kingdom, right? That picture mm. of the, the sun re- sun's rays kind of shooting through. I think we can be... V- very clear when we see kind of this worldly kingdom, right? We can see injustice or brokenness, but where do you see things getting turned on their head a little bit? Where do you, uh, where do you see somebody who was without hope suddenly have hope? Mm. Um, where do you see somebody who's hungry, whether physically or uh, relationally or societally or psychologically, yeah. get fed? Yeah. You know, and then, and then write it down because that's sometimes a, a fun thing. Pull out your Evernote or whatever you use, and yeah. go and just write that down yeah. of, a, of a glimpse of the kingdom. We uh, read through the Beatitudes a little bit ago. Doug did such an excellent reading. Uh, but if you want to do a, a small group study on it, we actually have one that Pastor Buddy Owens uh, filmed and wrote, and it's called Beatitudes. Um, as aptly, as aptly hard enough. to find. Um, so we will link to that below, but feel free to go through that. Um, it's a great study. It dives really deep into the Beatitudes. And then, of course, uh, last week I ended with something for you to think about and mull over, and this week we're going to do the same thing. Uh, you've already probably guessed it. How can you take part in seeing God's reign expand this week? Hmm. That's good. And with that... We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, 
Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.